name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. It's great to see y'all here. Uh, I had a problem with my printer, and so I'm, I'm going I'm to be speaking to you today from an open laptop. Is that all right? Is that cool? All right, here we go. So I remember when I was a kid, spending so much time wondering what people thought of me. Worrying about what they thought. What do people think of me? If I do this, what will they think? If I do that, what will they think? Will they think I'm cool if I, if I act like this? Or will they think I'm really dumb if I do this thing over here? This preoccupation reached its height for me in middle school. Trying to be liked by everybody. Wanting so much to be popular. Wanting desperately to be loved. And that's the way we all were back then. We were all trying to be cool. Each of us doing whatever we could to be likable. Each of us trying desperately to be loved. And I know people who agonize today over what they should put on their Facebook page. Does everybody know what Facebook is? Yeah, okay. So they, there's this thing called a status update. And you have an opportunity to put whatever you want in this status update. But people feel so constrained to be the one that puts the right thing. That'll get the most likes. That'll be just liked by everyone and shared by everyone. And, and they'll be the one that started it all. Or, what if they, and they, they agonize, what if I actually say that I like this movie, but everybody else says, oh, that movie's not something that, that people like you should like. And, and there's not an unlike button. You can't, un well, you can like, you can unlike it after you like it. But you can't unlike it before you like it. Does that make sense? So you can't say negative things. You can't say, I hate that. But I guess you could, you could comment. But people do. And I, and I know people that are, that are so constrained by this that they go, they go to somebody's page that they think is really cool and, and they say, I wonder what movies that person likes. And I'll say I like those movies so everybody will think that I'm cool too. I wonder if any of you have ever been like that. I mean, maybe, maybe some of you are like that right now. Where every action of yours, it doesn't have to be on Facebook, this can be just any kind of action that you take as a human being. Are any of you like that, where every action is constrained by what you think other people will think of you if you do those things? Where your own sense of self-worth is controlled by what others will say? Well, that was me. And it all changed for me at a youth retreat after my ninth grade year. Because it was there that I discovered who Jesus really was. And that changed my identity that day. And I was never the same again. I went from being an anxious-to-be-loved teenager to a secure in the knowledge of God's love young man in a matter of moments. Uh, and and my, my, identity, my identity went from being some, uh, someone that was always worried about what my friends would think to someone who was established and secure in God's love for me. And why? Why did that change happen? It was because I found out who Jesus was. And when I really understood who Jesus was, I finally understood who I was. And this is the whole point of the sermon. I'm going to tell you it in one line. You'll never know who you are until you know who Jesus is. You'll never know who you are until you know who Jesus is. You'll never understand how much you're worth until you understand how much Jesus is worth. 
And once that happened for me, it didn't matter anymore what anyone else said about me. It was what God said about Jesus that mattered. It wasn't what they said I was. It wasn't who they said I was. It was who God said Jesus was that mattered. And the joy of that freedom changed me. And I've never been the same. But some people have never known that freedom and that joy. Some people are still listening to what the world says about them. And they are riddled with anxiety about it. And sometimes it's not external voices at all. Sometimes it's voices that come from right inside of us. It's those internal voices. I know some people that are constantly filled with the the self-doubt and this self-hate. And the voices inside their heads are constantly telling them things like, you don't measure up. Nobody likes you. Nobody cares. You're never going to be loved. Over and over again, it's their own voices that are tearing them down from the inside. That's the way so many people are these days. Whether they are listening to what the world says about them or to those voices inside their head. So many people allow their identity to be formed by the wrong people. And sometimes I'm still one of them. Sometimes I'm still listening to those voices. When I stop listening to God, stop listening to His voice, when I stop and I start believing what the world says about me, it's in those moments that I have to come back and reconnect with God and listen to it again to His voice in my life and be reminded just who I am in Him. In today's readings, we see Jesus as He takes His disciples uh, to the area of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, He asks them who the people say that He is. You know, when Jesus is asking His disciples, who do the people say that I am? He's not trying to be cool. He's not trying to take the temperature of the local population. Am I liked? Do people want to be around me? He knew that He was liked and people wanted to be around Him because they were flocking to Him all over the place because He was healing them. It wasn't so he could find out what the people were thinking. It was so he could lead his disciples to a place where they would begin to ask the question and begin to understand just who they were dealing with when they were dealing with him. And so he asked them, who do the people say that I am? And then he said, and who do you say that I am? Who do these people out there say? Who who do you say? My close friends, my inner circle. And what were the people saying? People were saying that maybe Jesus was John the Baptist, or maybe he was Elijah, the, one of the greatest Old Testament prophets. Maybe, maybe he's just one of the other prophets. But then he said, uh, wait, hold on a second. The people were saying that Jesus, basically, when they were saying that, they were saying that Jesus was a mighty messenger from God. That's kind of how they had ca- categorized Jesus. He's just a mighty messenger. Let me ask you this. What are people saying about Jesus today? What are the people, uh, what are your friends saying about Jesus? What are the people at your work saying about Jesus? Who do your clients say that Jesus is? Who do modern scholars, who do the media say that Jesus is? There are a lot of people out there today with a lot of opinions about who Jesus is. And I know you've heard some of them. because And this is what they're saying. They're saying that he was just this first century holy man who died a gruesome death. Sometimes they say that he was, a, he was a good teacher. Sometimes they say that he was just this misguided um, Jewish guy from the first century. That's what they say. 
And they, and they say this stuff all the time around Christmas time and Easter. All the television stations all of a sudden want to talk about who Jesus was. Lots of people today are just like back then. They're ready to give an opinion about who Jesus was. And, now, and then Jesus asked them a much more personal question. He said, okay, well, let me ask you this. Who do you say that I am? And that seems like it ought to be the ultimate question, doesn't it? I mean, it's certainly one of the most important questions any of us can answer. Who do we say that Jesus is? Who do I say that Jesus is? Or who do you say that Jesus is? It's such an important question. And all of us have to answer it. But it's not the most important question. There's another question that's more important still. But when Jesus asked that question, Peter was ready with an answer. And Peter said that Jesus was the Messiah. And even though Peter uh, had the correct answer, there was still a problem with it. Because while it was true to say that Jesus was the Messiah, his answer still had attached to it all of the human expectations about what the Messiah would be, what the Messiah would do, what the Messiah would look like. What did Peter mean when he said that Jesus was the Messiah? And how did his beliefs about the Messiah and what the Messiah would do, how did all of that shape his understanding of what it meant for Jesus to be the Messiah? See, right after Peter confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus then began to tell all of his disciples that he was going to undergo great suffering, he was going to be rejected by the elders and the chief priests, and that he was going to uh, be killed by them, and then on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and rebuked him for that. And when Peter rebuked Jesus, he used the same words that Jesus used to cast out demons. That's how powerful his rebuke was of Jesus. Can you imagine rebuking Jesus like that? But he rebuked him for saying those things, that he was going to have to die. Because those things didn't fit with Peter's expectation about what a Messiah was supposed to be. Nobody believed that the Messiah was going to suffer like that. Messiahs are not supposed to suffer like that. The Messiah was supposed to be stronger than the Romans, not die on a Roman cross. And so even though Peter had the right answer, when Jesus tells the disciples what is coming and how he's going to suffer and die, it just didn't seem to fit. That wasn't part of Peter's agenda for Jesus. And it sure wasn't part of anyone's expectation about what the Messiah would be or do. And so Peter protests. Because what he meant when he said that Jesus was the Messiah wasn't at all what God had in mind for Jesus. And so I wonder again, who you say that Jesus is today? And what do you mean by that? Who do you say that Jesus is when you're in church? And who do you say that Jesus is when you're out with your friends? Do you have your own expectations about what Jesus is supposed to be and do in your life? Or do you allow Him to be who He really is and allow Him to do what He is meant to do? See, Peter was right. Jesus is the Messiah. But Peter's understanding about what that meant was wrong. He was thinking in human terms, just like we do. Okay, but these are not the most important questions. Uh, who the world thinks Jesus is and who you think Jesus is, those aren't the mo most important questions. The most important question is who the God the Father thinks Jesus is. 
And who does God the Father say that Jesus is? Well, we find that out when Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on that mountain where he is transfigured there. His appearance has changed and becomes radiant and bright and his clothes become dazzling white. And while Jesus is glorified, standing there with him are Moses and Elijah, two of the greatest Old Testament figures in the, in the history of the Jewish people. And they're talking with him there. And the disciples are amazed by all of this. But then something that changed, everything happened. God the Father spoke. And this is what he said. He said, this is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. Jesus is not just a prophet. He's not just a holy man. He's not even just the Messiah. He's God's son. And that changes everything. But Jesus told his disciples, um, he, he, when he told his disciples he was going to suffer and die, uh, and on the third day be raised, they didn't want to hear it because it didn't fit their expectations. They didn't want Jesus to be who he was. They wanted Jesus to be who they wanted him to be. And isn't it just like us to prefer our own way, our own expectations over what God wants to do in our lives? But think about how much better God's plans are than their expectations. Because their expectations would have had the Messiah coming in and being stronger than the Romans and kicking the Romans out and setting up an earthly kingdom and establishing it there. And if that's all that Jesus had come to do, that he'd be an entry in the history books today. He'd be a forgotten leader from long ago. But that is not all what he came to do. That's not at all uh, who he was. Jesus was God's own beloved son. And he came to lay down his life to give everything so that he could remake everything. Not just a small part of Palestine, but restore everything. Restore everybody. Redeem everybody so he could make all things new God's son God himself in the flesh came and he laid down his own life in order to make us his redeemed and forgiven sons and daughters he gave up his own life so that we could be adopted by God as his sons and daughters and made heirs of his kingdom which is amazing because inheriting things is awesome Especially when it's a kingdom. And especially when that kingdom is God's. How much better is that than what the disciples were hoping that Jesus would do? That's why knowing and believing who God says Jesus is, is so important. Because if you believe what the Father said about Jesus, if you believe that Jesus is God's Son, and if you see what he was willing to do for you on the cross, if you see how he was willing to suffer and be betrayed and be beaten and be crucified, and then if you think that he was willing to do that all for you, that God's son, that somehow God himself was willing to do that for you, then what does it say about who you are and what you're worth? To God. You'll never know who you are until you know who Jesus is. And you'll never understand how much you're worth until you understand how much Jesus is worth. And when you really start to think about it, it's just a staggering 
thought. We're trying to sell our houses in Tallahassee. And you know how you determine the value of a house? You know how you determine the value of anything? It's by what people are willing to pay you for it. And right now, people are not willing to pay us very much for our house. But hear this. God was willing to empty the treasures of heaven for you. Isn't that stunning? By sending his own son, God the Father bankrupted heaven. And he did that for you. And there is nothing of more value to God than his own son. But he would send his own beloved son for you. So what are you worth to God? He emptied heaven for you. What an amazing thought. You'll never know who you are until you know who Jesus is. And you'll never know how, under, understand how much you're worth until you understand how much Jesus is worth. And God the Father says that Jesus is His only and beloved Son. That's who Jesus is. And God was willing to envy the treasures of heaven and give His only Son for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank You today for Your Son, Jesus. And we stand in awe of Your goodness and Your love for us and sending Jesus to be our Savior. Lord, help us to believe this with all our hearts and then inspire us to share this amazing news with those people in our lives who still do not know who Jesus is and do not know what they are worth to you. Bless us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Please.